Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I honor the teenager within me. I am unique, brilliant, clever, beautiful, and perfect. I love myself unconditionally. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And of course, we started today's episode with another beautiful affirmation that Jane has written for all of you in sync with today's theme, which is about what wisdom would you like your children to know? And another way to reword this topic is what do you wish you had been told when you were young? And or how would you like to reconnect with that inner teen or inner child within you? Because of course, as you see your children growing up and going through their learnings and their life cycles, it always brings up that full circle energy loop of your own stuff, doesn't it? So we live vicariously through our children sometimes. Other times we try and protect them, over, you know, overprotect them because we weren't protected. Other times we push them out in the world because we didn't feel pushed out in the world. You know, our parenting is so transparent depending on how we thought we were parented you know, in a good way or a bad way, and all of that comes out in the wash when we've got our own little ones to focus all of our own unresolved emotional stuff on. Right, Jane? Exactly. I feel that this is I, the thing I like about this exercise and what we're going to do today is that this is the wisdom that I do want my teenage children to know, and maybe this is my way of passively teaching them of, here, if you don't want to talk to me because you can't stand your mother, listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they always got the earphones in. They're always listening to something. Well, I want to hear it from you. You know no, 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 exactly. Um, At the same time, it's reminding myself of the wisdom of the future, the wisdom of getting older. So while we might perhaps, well, I, in my mind, am focusing on teenage girls, at the same time, I'm reminding the teenage girl within me. So this is going to help me to heal any bits that I haven't healed yet. And at the same time, I'm going to remind myself that today I am the teenager of the older woman that I will be in the future. So it's a reminder of the passing of time of the wisdom and how we can embrace this to help us to lead more peaceful, empowered lives. Oh, I love this. I love this. All this this understanding of the cycles, you know, and, and that children or teens, however old your kids are, they mirror you, they mirror us. Um, they are little versions of our unformed selves. So, you know, a lot of our unformed or still yet to be understood emotional stuff, you know, it sort of does get handed, not handed down to the kids, but almost um, it's somehow encoded in our children and they come through with all of the issues that we haven't yet quite mastered and throw them back in our face, which is very fascinating. And kids are great for showing our shadow sides back to us. So like I said earlier, on the one hand, you might want to parent your kids the way that you wish you'd been parented, which is all well and great. But on the other hand, if you have got some unresolved, deeper lurking under the radar emotional stuff that you haven't quite resolved, that's going to be apparent in how you parent too. Wow, so many areas to go to from here. But I feel like we need to just start reeling off some of the wisdom that we wish we had known then. That's right. And look, just to clarify, my children are sort of very little in primary school age, whereas Jane's are more teens. So I hope that we are able to cover tools and techniques for a whole 
whole span of ages. But even, yeah, but even if you don't have children, and this isn't about course. parenting. This is because you've still got to parent yourself. Yeah, it's, it's that. It's the fact that you belong to a community and you will be connected to, you know, God children, friends, children, nieces, nephews. And, and in it, fact, often, you know, teenage children will often actually go to somebody else rather than their mother. They will. So uh, hang on to the wisdom. You could be that really important counsellor in a young person's life, even if you only see them twice a year and you're only able to have a couple of good words of wisdom to them at a barbecue. And this actually takes me to my first point sometimes well mostly all the time all young people want is to be heard seen and acknowledged as a soul how do you do that you look in their eyes you know we've got parents who are always on their phones checking their phones too busy driving here driving there they're not actually just taking a moment even having dinner together at the same table to sit down and just stop everything put everything down fold your hands in your lap and just see that child and really see them and that means seeing the essence of their soul, seeing the beauty of who they are, see their flaws, their, their perfect imperfections and all of that. And until the child receives that eye lock, I want to call it, it's like when you actually lock vision and you see them properly, they'll always be trying to get your attention mm. and that'll get worse and worse and worse mm. if you're not paying attention. Well, on the flip side of that, I wish I had realised at 16 that my mum was really trying to help me based on her experiences. And I disregarded her. I thought that, you know, what did she know? She was old-fashioned and knew nothing. And yet the reality was my mother had me at 20 and she was quite contemporary in her thinking. So it would be nice to be able to put that wisdom into children to say that, you know, your mum's got your back. She's there for you. She's on your side. She's not trying to change who you are. She's trying to stop you from making the same mistakes that she did. Yeah. However, best she can do that, you know, go on and make new ones, yeah, make different ones. Absolutely. Um, I was reading a funny thing the other day about when you get to your twenties, how you actually realise that your mum was right, that you appreciate your parents, who actually want to spend time with your family. All of that stuff changes, and I, you know, it's it's very important that you you understand with with teenagers in particular, they have to act out an ages old rite of passage. Where in primitive societies, they understood this. They knew that a natural breaking away starts to happen at adolescence. Boys' voice changes, puberty hits, girls get periods, then they're taken away. The young boys are taken off of the men, the young girls are taken off of the women, they're taught things. That is actually when adulthood begins. Now, of course, in this society, we've got boys with single mums with no male role models, we've got, you know, kids in all sorts of varieties with different families, and we've got kids being very, very suffocated and cloistered often in very full-on family lives where the only way they can primitively, innately act out that necessary separation that used to happen as part of teenagehood is to push you away at arm's length. So they will go in their room and close the door. They'll disappear off with their friends. They'll tell you to get effed <laughs> and all of that stuff because there's actually a necessary, you know, time for aloneness that comes with teenagehood where a little bit of separate identity forming must be had. So I think as a parent, use your intuition about when is appropriate to insist they do come and sit at the table with everyone else or the family barbecue or whatever. But when it's okay to just let them go and just let that leash get a bit longer, you know, they're not two, they're not six, they're not eight when they used to want to be with mummy or daddy all the time. They actually do need to go and find who they are. And, yes, they might burn themselves, they'll stumble over, they'll fall, they'll bang their head against a brick wall. That is how they are going to learn. So take the cotton wool off and the helicopter parenting off and let them go and be people. Their own right. Nice. Nice. Thanks, Jane. Well, the next bit of wisdom that I wish I knew as a 16 year old 
was how to love myself. I really, that would have saved me a whole heap of years, like about yeah. 30 more years plus of agony. And we are just not taught this. Schools, parents, I mean, we don't know how to, we can teach three hours, but we don't know how to teach self-love. No, and I just think that would be the most coolest thing to be able to know as a young person. Schools of the future will have it in the curriculum, Jane. Well, hopefully we'll be teaching it. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> how does one teach a teenager self-love? Do you know? You've got them. Well, you know, that's a whole podcast in itself. In fact, I think we did an hour-long one on that topic, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. First off, by example. Yes. You've got to lead by example. So there is. So I made a very conscious choice very young, as a, like as a very young mother, to never put myself down in front of my children. I Just a little simple thing. I grew up with – now, my mum was a beautiful model. And the damage that was done to me here in this is that so my mother was a beautiful model and my father was a very intelligent, successful scientist. I grew up being told I looked like my dad and I had my mother's intellect. Now, what a put down is that? Now, as an adult, I actually realised, well, actually, who cares because my dad's actually quite a handsome man and my mother's actually incredibly intelligent. So whoever said that was full of it. But at the time, that was very damaging. I also listened to my mother carry on about how she hated her thighs. Mm -hmm. She hated them. Now, she had the most gorgeous figure, still does for a lady in her 70s. She's still beautifully presented. Um, her mother carried on. My grandma carried on about her thighs. And I used to carry on about my thighs. And I just made a promise that I had to break that cycle because otherwise I knew both of my girls were going to be carrying on about their thighs. And... From that point, then I started self-development and I just went, you know what, there will be no negative self-talk verbally out loud going on so that they don't pick up that we do that. Then I just started with the little affirmations on the mirror and the tissue box that used to have things around it of, you know, I love myself, I'm beautiful, and I made little things in their bedrooms. So I just started the brainwashing of worthiness. Now, it's still not really teaching self-love, but it's a hell of a great start so that there aren't the put-downs. So I, I actually don't hear either of my children, I hate my hair or, oh, look, unfortunately pimples are actually getting a bit of a put-down at the moment in my house, but that's life. Um, I'm really from, glad to hear that, Jane, like as in that you have noticed already that they're not saying those things. No. And this, oh, this is one of the biggest, biggest problems, and I see this with all the teenagers I work with in high schools. All their beliefs about the bodies come from their mums, all of them. Right. And all mums know in their head that they should be being good role models. But it's one thing to say the words and it's another thing to actually back them up with the actions. So, yeah. for example, a mum will, will say, oh, don't worry, darling, you're beautiful, you're fine, darling. Uh, but then the mum will go and, you know, eat a big packet of biscuits in front of the daughter or look in the mirror and stretch and push her skin and say, oh, look at my wrinkles or whatever will happen. And the mum's actions, and they're quite, you know, very unconscious actions. Yes. The mum might not even realise. The daughter might just see her out of the corner of her eye doing something in a fitting room at a department store while they're driving, checking in, that, in the hand mirror or something like that. You know, the, it, this all goes in very deep to the daughters. Um my point, but do you want to say something on that, Jane? Oh, there's a lot to say on that too, but I guess I came from a background of, you know, being a choreographer with a lot of dancers, I watched these beautiful, healthy specimens that were never happy with themselves. And so I also was aware of all the eating disorders that a lot of my entertainers had, not just dancers, but some of the models and singers. And I 
was also privy to a paediatric conference back in um, the mid-90s where uh, I was working backstage actually on it and I heard a paediatric psychologist talking about eating disorders and said that for children, these stats, it's a long time ago, it's mid-90s, they were roughly like if you talk about diet, losing weight, being fat, if you use that kind of vocabulary to children in their young years, by the time they are 12, 100% will have an eating disorder. Oh, my God. And that blew me away. So I was very lucky that I heard that before I became a mother. Right. So I've never used any words like that. We've never used diet. We've talked about nutritional value. We've talked about um, energy. We've talked about intent behind what it is that we're doing, fueling our body. We've talked about fitness levels. We've talked about energy levels. We've never talked about weight. We've never talked about diet. Oh, so I think that that, you know, I I was very blessed to have been privy to that um, that speaker, very privy, uh, very, very blessed. Um, and I hadn't actually joined those dots until now. If parents only realise the enormity. I mean, children are these little sponges and they pick up so much stuff that you are not even aware of and even the behaviours that you think you're hiding. And this is where I'm talking about the shadow side stuff earlier. The deeper, look, I mean, I'm just thinking of two examples here springing to mind. One is a client I had the other day. She is entirely unable to access her own emotions. Basically, she goes blank and numb. If you ask her to feel something or if you ask her where in her body she feels an emotion, she just blanks out. And, it, I mean, this all comes from her parents. I mean, her father was genius at blanking out his emotions. You know, stick your head in the sand and just don't connect. It's all mental static. It's all mental energy. The body doesn't exist beneath the neck. And, you know... She, who is actually a quite intuitive, sensitive, warm-hearted, beautiful girl, has actually completely switched off that entire side of herself just through modelling, just as in role modelling, what she saw in childhood. If you feel a bad emotion, you push it down. She saw that over and over and over and over again until now she's on default and she's 34 and her life is frozen. So we need to be very, very conscious and responsible as adults about how we – that quote you've got on the toilet door, Jane, about the, the – Which one? There's <laughs> lots in there. The be energy. responsible for the energy you bring into the space. And not just the energy but the actions, words, behaviours, mm. okay? Because and it's also, though, like leading by example on the things that you actually don't like about yourself, such as the fact that I have battled for the last 10 years carrying weight, but I don't use that vocabulary at home. It's, you know – this is me and I love my body. I've got to, if, if I'm going to want my kids to love themselves, then I've got to show that I love myself, even the bits that I would like to have improved. Yeah. And I still have to love and respect and honour and appreciate them for how they are now. This is what I love is that even though you've been on your own weight loss journey or whatever it's been journey, you have, you've been very consciously like a watchdog about not dumping that on the girls. Like you said, you've been very conscious about But also not work. dumping it on myself. Okay. About the words that you're choosing to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if I could wave a wand and it happened easily and effortlessly, then I would drop 10 kilos. But mm. if I can't do it easily and effortlessly, I'm not going to go down a negative vibration, low vibrational path about it. No. I mean, it's, it's just that is conscious parenting and I really, really just respect that. And I want to say as well, um, I think that we've still got this big hang-up in society, you know, with 
perfection in the sense of you never want to show, certainly you never want to show your boss, you don't want to show people in public or society if you're upset. You hide your tears, you don't cry in public, you don't cry in front of the boss. And, you know, and to some Isn't that interesting, I do. Well, Jane, nobody's <laughs> like you. <laughs> yes, they are. Nobody's like, like me. me. No, yeah, but you're, you're an empath and an HSP, highly sensitive person. But, you know, we've still... And a dramatic drama queen. Yes. No, no, that's not, not a dramatic <laughs> drama queen, an actor. It's an entertainer. An actor. There are times to use them. <laughs> Fair enough. But you people understand what I'm saying. We're, we're in a culture where even with some members of your own family, you want to suck it up, you want to keep face, you want to be pride. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So what happens is sometimes even our own children who are our nearest and dearest, the most intimate to us, they've been with us since they came out of us, you know, they are our family. But we tend to want to shelter them from bad emotions. So if mummy's upset, she'll go in her room and cry or wait till the kids mm. are in bed and cry. Mummy will cry in the car when she's, after she's dropped the kids off or, you know, things like that. And dad as well and one thing that I learned very early from a friend of mine was she was never afraid to show her emotions so even if her toddler was there her four or six year old was there she would happily have a big sob in front of them and then gather them up into her arms even if she'd had a bad day where she yelled at them a bit or been a bit stroppy and she'd say at the end of the day today wasn't a very good day was it no uh but you know we, we still love each other we de- you know you validate all of that and then you say and, you know, and we'll be happy again tomorrow or, you know, this is past. It's so important. And it's teaching children that it's natural. So if you exactly. have an emotion, you sit in it, you feel it, you surrender to it, you cry it out, it's gone. You move on, you're happy again. And they become comfortable with that rubber band effect of coming in and out of different emotions. Yes. Snapping back to yes. normal. Yes, it's after real a, life. This is real life. And, you know, my beautiful parents, 1960s marriage, sweep it all under the counter. There was no emotion. It was hard. It was not a show it was at all. So we've, we've definitely become, in fact, I think I've got another toilet door saying that says something about we do loud, we do sorry, we do second chances. You know, it's one of those sayings, yeah. that kind of thing again. We do love, we do tears, we do all of that. Absolutely. Um, another thing I would, I really wish I had been taught when I was younger was the power of true magic. I really wish that I had understood energy, intent, thoughts becoming things. I really, you know, to to know that as a 16-year-old would be so empowering to realise that as you're stepping into this unknown world where perhaps the institute of society has taught us that, well, if you make a wrong decision, you're going to pay for it for the rest of your life, that that's just not reality, that, that you can create your own reality. I wish I had been taught that because I think that's the simple most single most powerful thing I've embraced in my last sort of 10 or 20 years. And to have known that at 16, God, would have saved a lot of years of... I mean, kids just naturally seem to feel very disempowered, don't they? They always feel quite, um, you know, it's a big struggle to find who they really are, you know? It's that sort of thing. But if they understood how powerful energy is and that, how they project it and yeah. what, how that changes situations. I think they'd be so much more in control. That they really are reality. magicians. They totally are magicians. Yeah, yeah. You know, for want of a better word, you know, people will call it you know, manifestors or energy shifters or energy changers or, or yeah. whatever. But if people really understood that this magic exists, like I think, for example, when my youngest found out that who was the first to go was, I think Easter Bunny was, the, no, Tooth Fairy was the first to go. Poor old Tooth Fairy. I know. <laughs> and On the chopping block. I said to her, you know, the, the story of the Tooth Fairy, and I said, but here's what I want you to understand is that most people won't agree with this or believe this, 
but I truly believe fairies exist. I absolutely do. Here's the role. Here's some websites. Let's Google it. Let's have a look. Because I didn't want her to lose the magic of life. Oh, I love you, Jane. A creation that... she wouldn't be my mum. <laughs> well, this is what this podcast is about, is being our own mum. Yes, you know, and I'm so glad this is being our own mum. You brought this up because it, we, you know, it would be a miss for me not to start talking about psychic spiritual you because, can like, let's face it, everyone coming through now is an old soul. These kids are the rainbow children, the crystal children, the children of the sun, the new frequency children, whatever you want to call them. They're the warriors who are coming through to break down the old world and build it back up again. They're going to change the world as we know it this century and that's why they're stubborn that's why they know their own mind that's why they're on their own agendas that's why as two-year-olds you can't control them parenting is harder than it's ever been before because these we're dealing with small adults here and that's why wise they know the drill and they know the game and they're all here on life missions so part of um what you know connected to what i was saying earlier about um seeing them, acknowledging them, looking them, looking them in the eyes because that's what these old souls desire. You know, they don't want to be children. They get very frustrated being children. It, it, you know, it just sends them crazy. So that also extends to, and this can start as young as one, two, three. You talk with them, not at them. And still when they're teenagers, if they have done something that does require some sort of, for lack of a better word, punishment or some sort of a, you know, a boundary curbing in or whatever, you sit with them and you and you, you say so so what's happened here? You get them to talk it out. You don't you don't put any judgment on them. You don't tell them how to think. You keep asking questions so that they describe the scenario to you slash to themselves. And it ends up with and how do you think this should be handled? You know what are the solutions? And this can be if a three year old if a three year old throws a tantrum, stop stop stop. I want you to use your words. Use your words and tell me what do you think is a good solution. Use do some clever thinking. But, again, if they're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, just crashed Dad's car while he was on holiday, well, what do you think the punishment would be? What, what do you think would be fair? Yeah. And they might say, well, I should probably pay for it. And you'd say, yeah, well, how are you going to do that? What's the plan? Okay, you know, out of my pocket money every week for seven months, you know. Yeah. You, you've got to give them the autonomy, the responsibility, and the respect because they will mature beautifully if you hand them that kind of honour and acknowledgement on a silver platter. Thanks for that reminder, Beck. <laughs> Thank you. I've used that method a couple of times in the past, but I reckon it's probably been five or six years ago since I did it. You know, like you kind of you forget. get in the swing and then yeah. you forget. And no one and wants to be worked. the parent. I remember it works. We don't so want well. to keep telling people off and saying, no, no, you don't want to be the no parent. You don't want to be the in the naughty corner parent. You don't want to be the that's it, you're grounded parent. We don't want to just always have to be the jailer or the disciplinarian. Everyone's unhappy in that situation. We should turn it around so it's empowering. It's a chance for Recap parenting. again. So how do you word it again? Because I want to get this again. This is I'm at the right time of life. For well, I, I'd be doing a timeout in an adult sense. It's a bit like, okay, a boardroom meeting, family meeting, but it's just you two or whatever, you yeah. and dad or yeah. whoever and the kid and let's come, let's go have a chat away from the other siblings. Okay, so we're not attacking you, we're not angry, we're, we're not going to have any judgment, we just want to hear what you have to say about this. Let them talk. Tell, let them tell what you everything. What do you everything. have to say about because this? kids only act out, make trouble, cause drama, hurt others when they are not being heard or they're miserable inside. They're actually trying to get your attention or the world's attention because something's missing. And if you're very clever with your questioning and if you if you can take your own emotions out of the picture so they feel safe, they will speak the truth. And the truth might not be, I hit Susie Martin because she was pissing me off. The truth might be, <laughs> I didn't feel like I spent enough time with you and Dad on the weekend and I'm really sad about it and no one talked to me at school and I'm lonely. And that right. might be the truth. Right. Okay, well, what do you think we should probably do? Well, first, I think I need to apologise to Susie Martin. Good idea. Second of all, um, I'd like to spend some more time with you and Dad. Okay. 
Brilliant. It doesn't even need to be a punishment. It might be a solution. Brilliant. Love it. Oh, God. I'm, can we stop the podcast now while I just <laughs> workshop, workshop this, visualize this all in my house and get this deeply embedded oh, in my brain? Definitely. Brilliant. Thank you, Beck. And, you know, with the um, we were sort of going into the old soul stuff there before and Jane was talking about the magician stuff with your children. Look, please, these kids are going to be exhibiting signs of psychic, you know, awareness. They're going to see auras. They'll be talking to dead grandma or the, the dead pet or the alive pet. They're going to be talking to fairies. They'll be in the garden playing wizards. They'll be doing all kinds of stuff. Mummy, do you remember that life when you were the truck driver and I was the whatever, you know? Please don't shut it down. Yeah. We ha- if, if you hear anything like that, just listen and show no reaction or a positive reaction. Which leads beautifully into my next thing that I really wish I had understood at 16 is that sensitivity is one of the greatest gifts I could ever have been given. Instead of spending the next 20 years trying to shut it down, numb it out, stop it, get rid of it, fix it, cut it out. Because all of these things, sensitivity, intuition, whatever they are, these are life skills. And if they're actually allowed to come out and play, what it results in in adults is high creativity high resourcefulness and inspiration in the workplace. You know, they actually become really, really switched on amazing human beings because they're able to think outside the box. They're able to use their imagination. They can harness fantasy and channel stuff. She just have these amazing light bulb ideas and stuff, which everyone else who had it all kind of kicked out of them was just shuffling around on the factory line or the sheep run or whatever, just sort of, you know, going along with mainstream boring old society. They've closed down parts of their brain. I'm being harsh, aren't I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe a little. Maybe, maybe a little. Maybe a bit. But I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about honouring whatever children come out with. Don't laugh at them. Don't don't belittle them. Don't stand over them. Children are our teachers. There is no hierarchy here. Age means nothing. They are little Buddhas. They are little gods who are here to show the way, and we must get out of their way and allow them to grow and be with as least inhibitions as possible. Which leads perfectly into my next one. Of course it does. Which is, <laughs> as we grow older, the dots join. Yeah. So just don't worry about it. And that, in all honesty, you know, nothing matters. You just don't need to worry. You really don't. So you're teaching the kids what, that all the little things that they're, that's their absolute whole universe. Follow your joy. In not, the moment. Not matter in don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the future. Be in the moment. Now, that, I mean, obviously, that's very. So much can be, you know, done. argued incredibly of, you know, well, you've got to have responsibility and you've got to have a plan and all of that. And you do have to have those things if you want to achieve, particularly if you want to really manifest some cool stuff in life. Yeah. But I think it's about the anxiety that we live in of, of you know, to try and alleviate anxiety is to try and understand the concept of dots being joined. Have faith. Tr- faith, you know, really. Where's that talk? No, I know. And I think, yes, have your action plan. Think things out logically and, and intelligently and use your gut feeling to guide you, but then let go. We need, yes. to, we need to teach our kids not to stew on things, yes. you know, that it's okay just to – because there is a trust that comes with the universe that we, we tend to get very, very boxed into, I need life to go this way because that's when I'll – how I'll be happy, and if it doesn't, it's going to be a disaster. Well, how do you know? How do you know that actually if it does go the disaster path, that's the best path for you and you're going to be amazing because of it and who says it's even going to be a disaster anyway? You don't know where that path's going to go if it goes off track. Which I guess means that I would like to have been taught faith in a different way to the way I was taught. Right. 
Well, I think we've maybe exhausted this topic. No, we haven't. We have never exhausted this topic. Ever. Okay. But we have exhausted our half hour time slot. (laughs) So we will leave you this week with a little bit of homework to maybe take one or two of the things you've heard today and take them back out to the children in your life or in your community or the child within yourself who needs to be heard, who needs to have that hug that he or she never received. Spend some time with your inner child as well. Jane's got recognition. To my inner child, the teenage girl, I am unique. Brilliant, clever, beautiful, and perfect. I love myself unconditionally. Take a deep breath. Let that soak right into your body. Join us every Wednesday here on thewellnesscouch.com for all of your free half-hour Love Life podcasts. And if you want to chat to us, you can always do a bit of a private message through our Facebook page. Yes, which is facebook.com forward slash love life show, one word. Love to hear from you. And until next week, please be very, very kind to yourself and your children. Have a great week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.